Okay, so Ryan Tov, we continue in the Sefer Sha'arim Batvila by Rav Shimshim Pincus. We're on the end called the Pirkei Sium, the concluding chapters, section Aleph, as it were, or Perik Aleph. It's, it's hard to figure out. Well, it's Perik Aleph. And it's, we're now going to start the second subsection of the first chapter. And here is a beautiful idea about prayer. He brings a Gemara in Brachas on Daflamid Aleph. And the Gemara tells us that Shmuel, the Navi, when he was a little boy, he was what we called a Mora Halacha Lifnei Rabbo. He ruled a judgment in front of his rabbi, which is a big, big sin and punishable by death. Okay, how do we know this? Well, when Hannah came back, she said, when my child gets old enough that he can be weaned, I'll bring him back and I will give him to in the house of Shiloh and to be raised by the Levites and the Kohanim, etc. So she comes, Hannah, with Shmuel to bring a Corbin. And the Pusik says, they slaughtered the bull and they brought the young lad to Ailey. And the issue was, it was taking a long time for the Kohanim to come and slaughter the animal. Shmuel, a precocious young boy, but well-versed in Torah, he says, what are they taking so long? Like, why can't we get going? I says, I'm not gonna wait. You know, a non-Kohen, although cannot do most of the service in the temple, is allowed to slaughter the animal. So he says, let's slaughter the animal. Let's at least move things along. So he slaughtered the animal. And then they brought, and they and they looked, whoa, there's a non-coin slaughtering the animal. So they said, what are you doing? Why are you slaughtering the animal? He said, well, we know that's the halacha. The halacha is a non-coin can slaughter the animal. So it was brought to Ailey's attention. And he said, he's young man, you're doing well that you knew the halacha, but you ruled halacha in front of where there's the rabbi me. And the law is that one who renders the law in front of the rabbi is chai of misa. She put to death. So Chana comes over to Eli and says, don't you know who I am? Remember me from a couple of years ago? I was a woman who was crying and that you accused me of being drunk and you gave me a blessing and all that. That's my son. You Please don't kill my son. He said, you know what? Let me punish him and let him die. And I'll give you another son who's greater than him. And she says, the man says, this is the child, El Hanara said, this young child, he's Palauti that I prayed for. So she's saying, I don't want you to kill this son, even though you're going to give me a better one, but this is the one I prayed for. So the question is, so, so what does that mean? Let's think what's going on over here. Let's do the math. She has a son, Shmuel. He's going to be a tzaddik. Ailey says, he did an avera, he should be punished. 
but she, but that's the one I prayed for. Don't worry, he'll die, and I promise you, you'll get another child who'll be greater than him. So let's figure out the math. Stay with the son here who'll be a tzaddik, or have him die, and she'll get he'll give her a bigger tzaddik. So she said, no, this is the one I prayed for. So the question is, so what? You're gonna get it. Doesn't everyone want their son to be a bigger tzaddik? Okay, this is a very interesting question here. This is like, let's make a deal. <laughs> We've got over here a young boy who's gonna be a tzaddik, and they'll say, I'll make you a deal. It's not more than a deal. I mean, he wants to do this. He says, we'll kill this one, we'll punish him, and then you're gonna have another child right away. He's gonna be bigger than him. Now, if Ailey's saying that you know it's going to be true, it's not like what if it would have, no, it's going to be true. And she still, so the question is, why did she not want it? So you could say as simple as, what do you mean? She's a mother, mother has feelings, she raised the boy, she's very sensitive. I mean, what mother wants to see her child die? But we have to understand, she wasn't that kind of a person. We, 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 Gemara tells us that when she prayed, she said very critical words towards Hashem. She said, Hashem, you never created something in this world that isn't for a useful purpose. Well, what did you create my breasts for if not to nurse this baby? See, very critical things she said. But the truth is, she wasn't critical for her own pain. She was crying out for the pain of God. She's saying, God, I'm, I'm suffering because you don't have a child. If I don't have a child, you're suffering. I don't want you to suffer. If she's really on such a high level, now I'm talking about a regular lady, a normal person, normal person, not a today, because you care about your kid. You don't want your kid dying for no way in the world. No matter what you're going to promise me. That's okay for regular people. But for Hannah, who was a tzaddikis, and her whole concern to have a child to begin with was only for God's honor, not for her... Uh, private uh, satisfaction of being a mother. So if she's already beyond that uh, maternal instinct uh, feeling, so to speak, that her decisions are made only on the maternal instinct, but it's really made on divine desire. So I, she only wanted kids, so she'd have a, a child to dedicate to God. So now you can get a better kid dedicated to God. So what's her problem? That is the question that the rabbis ask on this story. Sir Pincus says over a few. Yes. Well, what context are we are we learning this in? What context? What is the context? What do you mean? What's the what, con what, do, you, what do you mean? What's the context? What's I said the, I said what the context is. The context is the, with Shmuel and Chana. No, I got that, but I mean, which form of prayer she is praying? I mean, that, that's, that's not important. That's not important. That's not okay, okay, a relevant okay. issue. Okay. But you'll see which okay, one it you. will be. You'll see which one it'll be. So she said like this. She says, even if the second one will be get better, but this one has a unique virtue that the second one won't have. Why? Kashmul came through an abundance of prayers. And that, you know, could be uh, a few of those expressions that we already have said that means an abundance of, of prayer 
It can be uh, etor. Etor is an abundance of prayer. Right? So, uh, so if it came from that, so that already is something very special. In Yiddish, there's an expression. You won't understand it, but I'll say it in Yiddish and I'll say it in English. He was an oisgebettener kind. He was a child that came from lots of requests. That child came from a lot of tefillah. And his virtue is he came into the world saturated from prayers of his mother. And that's what she's saying. It's for this child that I prayed. He's unique that he came to me into the world through an abundance of prayers. And that is somewhat, it's much more precious to have a child who came from your play, prayers, from my prayers, than it's going to come from your prayers. Okay. And it's understood that Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato writes in the Sefer Derech Hashem regarding prayer. He says, after Hashem has given a person intellect to be able to conduct his life affairs as he chooses, right? In other words, you have free choice. You can live your life the way you want to. You want to go to work today, go to work today. You want to shoot up drugs, you can show up. You can do whatever you want. And he says, there is a virtue to that. Because a person can choose to do good things. On the other hand, there's a great danger. Because when a person's engaged in the world and you are engaged in the darkness of the world, you could get a little bit too engaged. You have to go out to make a living. Okay, that's fine. That's got no, no problem with that. And you're going to have to make a lot of choices. You can make good choices and bad choices. But it could be that when you're engaged in making a living, you can get so involved in the darkness more than is necessary, you can get totally swallowed up by business. So Hashem prepared, a, uh, prepared something that's a tikkun to not a safety valve. And what is that? that you start your day by praying to Hashem Shachris. In other words, you start talking to Hashem. And as you're talking to Hashem, then you're going to start asking Him for what you need. And you will cast all your burdens upon Hashem. And that's going to be the initial uh, approach that precedes your actual physical efforts of making a parnosa. Okay. So in other words, if you're starting, you're, you're starting off on the right foot. You're praying to Hashem and saying, Hashem, I know you are the only one. You use, can use so many of these expressions of prayer. Uh, is your hand up, Shlomo, or did just the hand is up? Yes, Rabbi. Yes. No. So Rabbi, I think she... She used all 13 expressions, right, about Sanna? Maybe. I don't know, but she used a lot, yeah. Okay. So it's just a comment you're making? Hello? Yes, yes, yeah. Rabbi, yes. Okay, fine. So, so therefore, if you're starting off all your efforts with a lot of prayer and many different levels of prayer, and then you're going to be involved in hishtadlut and effort, which is normal human effort. You won't get entangled and immersed and sunken in into the physical attractions of the world because you already prefaced everything that everything depends on Hashem. 
And if I'm leaving Hashem to go to work, it's not a deep, a multifaceted descent. But rather, I'm relying on the prayers that I did that's going to help you. So what's going on over here? So what's happening is that when a person prays, he turns upside down, so to speak. The things in this world that are physical, they now become part of your spiritual life. And that's what Hannah was saying, that even if my second son is a bigger Talmud Chacham and even a bigger Tzaddik, but that came, but this child, Shmuel, came through a prayer that I prayed and I know I got it straight from Hashem. And this child, Shmuel, has a, a, an extra unique holiness and closeness between me and Hashem through Shmuel. And those are all the things when a person needs things in life. If he prays for them at all times, then what's happening is that everything that you're engaged with in the physical world is just a manifestation of your spiritual connection to Hashem. If you're you're always praying to Hashem before you're going to work, and, and let this business deal work. And Hashem, I know you're the only one who can make it happen. And I want to do it to do your will and all these things. And then when that happens, then it's like you're receiving gifts from Hashem. Just like when you bring a Corbin. The Corbin is coming from Hashem. It's Hashem's gift to you. So therefore, everything you're eating is like a Corbin. It's like a connection to Hashem. You're feeling that connection to Hashem. And that's what we said before. Remember, we talked about the idea of prayer is chaye sho'o. It's temporal life. It's life in Olam What does chaye mean? Chaye means a life with your soul. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the soul of the world. And anything that comes through Hashem, that's called a life. Because you're connected to Hashem. And something that does not come with prayer, it's not like it's, it's like you're getting it from somewhere else. And, and that's almost like ziv chaymesim the sacrifices of the dead. And that's what Yochanan said, halavai person davens all day long. So let, let's understand. Let me just finish one thing and I'll take questions. And that's what the Mishabura says in Simon Kufnun Zayin from the Zohar HaKadosh. A person should always pray for his food. Why? So that every piece of bread you have is, in Yiddish again, a oiskebetner shtiklbroit, a piece of bread that's been Work through prayer. In other words, we think we make the bread by kneading the dough and making all the effort. No, no. The bread came from my tefillahs. Came from my prayers. You are working and making a living, but if you proceed it all with prayer and you know only thing I'm doing is just going through the motions. I know it's all from Hashem. So the money you're getting is, is money that came from a special delivery from a Kodesh Baruch and this is such an important idea. Such an important idea. Priests can say, what do I got to pray to God for? I got good brains. I, I'm a good businessman. I don't need God's help. So let's say that's true. So let's say we have two fellows. One guy, you know, we could just say is, uh, what's the guy who owns uh, Twitter? Uh, you know, Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I don't know if he prays to God or not. Let's just assume he doesn't. I'm not casting aspersions on it, but let's assume he doesn't. Is he Jewish? No, he's not Jewish. 
Jeff Bezos. These guys making tons of money. But they're not asking it from Hashem. <coughs> so it's coming, it's coming from the world, but it's not coming from Hashem. You and I, when we pray to Hashem, and we say, we pray three times a day, saying, Hashem, I know the parnasa you give me that I get comes right from you. And I want this to be every, and therefore I'm going to use this money in a spiritual way. That's called really living. I'm using this money in a way of connecting to you, Torshim. Because I know you're the one giving it to me. And I'm praying to you to give it to me. Nobody else, not my intelligence, not my business acumen, not my hard work. That doesn't give it to me. You are the one giving it. Now I'm going through the motions. Okay, but I'm not foolish enough to think that I did it. So therefore, I am using exactly what I get, Hashem gave me. And I understand in my life, I'm using the gifts of Hashem. So if Hashem is giving you these gifts, they will be blessed. And that means to have a blessed life. But if you don't pray to Hashem, so it's just coming from anywhere else. If it's coming from anywhere else, this is not connecting you to Hashem. And then it's not, you're not relating to Hashem. You're not relating, it's, it's, like, it's like you're eating a Corbin from a, from, a cor, from a corpse. You're not getting it from Hashem. And that's the big difference. So that's why we understand when you're praying for things, here's the point he's making. When you're praying for things, what you're really doing is, so when those things come, that is what is still, it can, you're still staying connected with Hashem when you receive it. And you're living every moment as if, oh, Hashem, you gave me this, thank you so much. Hashem, you gave me this, thank you so much. What is Jeff Bezos thinking? It's my money. I do whatever I want with it. And he can do foolish things with it. He could do destroy his own life. Have to give his wife so much because he divorces her. Right? That, that's what they're thinking, but they're not thinking to use this as a way of eternal life, using it to continue your connection to Hashem. And that's why she said, I want this boy. This boy came from my realization that Hashem gave me this boy. <coughs> if I get another son and it's coming from your prayers, then I don't feel that same connection of Hashem through him. When Hannah looked at Shmuel every day, she saw Hashem's kindness right there and there. Because she prayed so much, and Hashem gave it to her. From all those prayers, that means her living her life with a relation with Shmuel is a very intense relationship with Hashem. If somebody just gives you something, you didn't pray for it, you may not be naturally inclined to appreciate it so much as a gift that came from Hashem, as much as a gift that maybe came from Ailey and not from Hashem. This is a very, you know, difficult, this would be an interesting question to ask at a Shabbos table. If you want to have a very feisty Shabbos table, so I'm going to give you a choice. Let's say you have a child now who's a two-year-old child who's going to be a tzaddik. And Hashem says, if you let him die, I promise you a bigger tzaddik. Would you take it or not? <clears throat> I would suggest, I'm guessing, most women would say no, and most men would say yes. 
Maybe everybody would say no. I'm not saying. You're going to say, well, what do you mean? It's, it's a better deal. But women are very emotional and very attached to this and that, and the pain of losing that attachment. There's no right or wrong answer over here. But what Hannah is saying is, no, there's no way, because I prayed for this kid. And therefore, I sense godliness every time I, 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 I do anything with my little boy. I always feel Hashem's involvement in my life. So it wasn't her emotion as far as for the boy. It's emotion for God to give her a kid. It was, yes. Her, her, she was smart enough to know the emotional attachment to Hashem that's coming through Shmuel is going to be greater than the an attachment to Hashem that will come from another child that I didn't pray for. That's the point. Now, in Gimel, little subsection Gimel in Paragalif, he takes this idea a step further. He says, especially when you come to learning Torah. What did the rabbi say from the Pasuk? Ki Hashem yitain chachma. For Hashem gives wisdom. Mipiv das utfuna. And from his mouth comes understanding and um, again different words of, of, of knowledge so what does that mean if it all comes from Hashem and you want to acquire wisdom you want to really know Torah it requires prayer why because we're saying that God is the one who teaches the Jewish people Torah every minute as our rabbi said, even if one person is engaged in learning Torah, the Shekhinah is with him. And therefore he has to strengthen that connection each and every hour through prayer. And therefore we know about the Cherubim that were manifesting the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people. They were always together. Whether, whether there was real lot of love if it was face to face, or if it wasn't so good, there's like side to side, or if it wasn't good at all, it was back to back. But you gotta remember, they were always living together. Why? Because they were attached to the ark, which was underneath. And the ark represents the receptacle of Torah. And that's how Limud HaTorah has to work with Hashem specifically. So you need a lot of prayers for it. You understand what's happening here? With the fact that we have to pray a lot to succeed in Torah isn't just like you're praying to God for anything. Well, really it is, but anything is much deeper than anything. It's you have to understand that my whole relationship with Hashem is Torah. <coughs> because Torah <coughs> is meant to define my relationship. And therefore, you need a lot of prayers to be connecting to Hashem so that the Torah will work. And he brought, we've brought already before from Rav Chaim Vital in his Aktama to the Sefer H. Chaim that a condition for wisdom is that if there's anything in Torah that you don't understand and you want to understand it, you have to cry as much as possible. That is a condition that holds back wisdom. The main acquisition of, the, of wisdom is through clinging to Hashem with your prayers, as the Chazon Ish says. To know before whom you're making the efforts to learn Torah. And that's what your success is. <clears throat> they say about Rabbi Shua Leib Diskin, 
great tzaddik of Yerushalayim many years ago, that if he had trouble understanding a piece of Talmud, he would go over to the tzedakah box of Reb Meir Balanes. Now we know a lot, my wife's been teaching a lot about it. There's been a lot of uh, events with the ladies to show, to give tzedakah to Reb Meir Balanes. Yes, Reb Meir Balanes. But a lot of you do it, if you lose something and you want to find it, you, the merit of Rabbi Meir Balanes, I should find my thing. And there's a lot of incredible stories about it, some less incredible than others, but people believe in it and we're not going to deny it. But that's just to find a watch. Okay, watch, watch. Ah, it could be a $2,000 watch, $25 watch. There's some sabula charm. Says I'm giving the money to Rebbeir Balanes, and then you'll find it. Well, guess what? Rabbis invoke Rebbeir Balanes for much more important things. Because I'm sure, I don't even know if Shulalev Diskin owned the watch. One second, one second. So what do you, he's trying to understand the Gemara. He doesn't understand the Gemara. He, what would he do? He'd put a coin into the box, and he'd cry. And all of a sudden, the gates of light opened up. And he could understand the Gemara. So it's fortunate someone who learns Torah in that way incorporated saturated within prayer because there's no better way to succeed in learning than praying because the praying is, is setting off. It's no different learning Torah making money. I mean, of course, learning Torah is more spiritual, but but this, but this the common denominator, it all comes from God. Does the money come less from God than Torah? It all comes from God. So we want you to appreciate the money that you're making and use it in a spiritual way. So you pray first and then the money comes and you'll use the money as a way to serve God. Very nice. So why do you want to know Torah so much? What for? So you're going to be smart? So you're going to know more than other people? It's so you can enhance your relationship with Hashem. And just like you could get lost in making Parnassah and thinking you're the one who makes the Parnassah, you could equally get lost in Torah and say, oh, I'm such a good scholar because I'm smart. And you could use all that Torah knowledge, God forbid, to not be close to Hashem at all. You could use that Torah knowledge to be very harmful to people and to yourself. <clears throat> so one has to be very careful in that area. So that's what we're praying for. You had a question? Why do you say Menachem Mendel ben Yosef? I don't think you say it. Yeah, when you put the money into Bernasi. That's that's Chabad. No. no. I, his name, Reb Meir. Reb Meir, Is that? I don't know. I'm not a big uh, Reb Meir Balanes um, uh, contributor. Did your wife deal with the lady at Brucewood? I don't, I don't know. You have to ask my wife. I don't know what's going on. But uh, he, he was called Reb Meir. His name was Mayor. But maybe he had another name. I don't know. I, 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 could be, I could be wrong. Okay. Okay, now we're going to go. It, or is Puto, is the other one, not the name you correct. Is Puto the one who? I don't know what you're talking about. There's another big one. There's a lot of tzedakahs. I can't keep up with all of them. Honestly, I cannot, I cannot keep up with them. 
Okay, so we finished the first parak, these little three things. Now we got just a couple minutes. We're going to start parak bays, just a running jump into it. And he says, as an introduction to understand prayer and all the avoda before Hashem, we have to understand that everybody, according to their level, has to know who are they standing before. Who are you standing before? Hashem, who is has divinity and is infinite. There's no limit, there's no number, there's no way we can understand how great he is. And every Jew on their level is obliged to reach an understanding that what? That he has no idea of the greatness of God. For example, you can't even say God is the richest like all the other rich people. He's richer than Jeff Bezos. He's stronger than Hercules or the Hulk. Don't think that that person really is believing in the real God that we're supposed to believe in. Everyone has to understand that it's not bigger and more, but infinite. That's you have to, I'm talking to a God with infinite cash, infinite power. There's nothing he cannot do. And whatever I could compare it to would be a, a corruption of that understanding of Hashem. And just so we know, for example, another important idea of fundamentals of faith is so there's a concept of reward and punishment. Okay? And we have to have an understanding is what is the essence of a reward and punishment that comes from Hashem? Not like a reward and punishment that comes from the government of Canada if you break a law. The reward is an eternal reward. Not just a nice thing, a, a forever reward of something. And the punishment could be, God forbid, kares, where you're totally cut off, an eternal punishment, as the Rambam brings in Ilkhus Chuva. So you have to understand, what does eternity mean? What does it mean that something is infinite? So we, you know, they like to give a, a famous marshal. Let's say take a big, big mountain, the biggest mountain, the widest mountain in the whole world. And now comes a little bird, and he takes one little grain of sand from that mountain and he throws it into the ocean. How long will it take for the bird to level that mountain if it's assumed all made out of sand? So even after 10,000 years constantly going forever, you're not even going to tell the mountain has even gotten any smaller. Right. Even after millions of years, even we have that kind of a concept, it's still not even close to what infinite is. Whatever you could think infinite is, it is not infinite. Okay? Now, you know, it, it at least gives you a little idea, but to think, oh, that would be infinite. It's way bigger. If we can define the infinite, then we got problems. Okay, we'll have to stop it over here. We'll continue this idea tomorrow, Amir Tzashem. Well, the book, uh, I think we can't put the exact, which one is Rabbi, um, Rabbi? Who? 